has prepared, <coughs> prepared the message today. Well, I mean, I prepared it during the week. But then yesterday I was thinking maybe I need to include some things about current events <laughs> because it is a big thing worldwide. And people, are, Christians, should be asking questions and going to the book for the answer <laughs> because it's in there, the answer to what's going on. We'll see when I get to that point which way we go <laughs> as far as looking at that. God is long-suffering. Remember two weeks ago, was it two or three? <laughs> we started this, it was after the Lord's table, so we just did part of the first point. <clears throat> long-suffering, we said, is the quality of self-restraint in the face of provocation, which does not hastily <laughs> retaliate or promptly punish. It is the opposite of anger, and it's associated with mercy. You can apply that to today's situation in the world. <laughs> a long-suffering person is patient despite being annoyed or insulted regularly. And <clears throat> over a long period of time, that may happen. We've been looking at the attributes of God, omniscience, holiness, justice, love, truth, freedom, immutability and others and we come to long-suffering oh God is long-suffering <laughs> he's long-suffering with the nations today that are going dead opposite his purpose and plan for this world what a sad situation that we have the truth the truth that can set you free and nations free and people free but People are not availing themselves of that truth. God has forborne and has long suffering toward man for 6,027 years. <laughs> I know we wouldn't have been. None of us would be as long suffering as that. With evolution, with communism, with everything that revolts against the word of God, he allows it to continue. He doesn't intervene. He, he hasn't intervened. Put it that way. He will. He will intervene. <clears throat> so, we looked at the Israel and how they provoked the Lord from their very conception. Down there in Egypt, they came out and then they rebelled almost immediately. Within weeks, they were rebelling and wanted to go back to Egypt. Israel provoked the Lord time and again through the period of the judges and through the period of kings. Read your Bible and see this up and down and uh, the, the punishment of the Lord. <clears throat> we saw the picture and pattern of the long-suffering of the Lord toward Paul as he was persecuting severely Christians, committing them and hailing them to prison. But God allowed him to hear a message from Stephen, which we have in our Bible in the book of Acts. And from that point on, he was convicted sore till the day that the light shone from heaven and he repented on the road to Damascus. <clears throat> we liken that to the present day Orthodox Jewish people who for 2,000 years have had not admitted that the one they crucified was their Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and they're still in rebellion against that. They are, like Paul was, they're kicking against the goads. It says, when Paul got saved, who art thou, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. He said, Jesus said to him, it's hard to kick against the goads. If you're here this morning and you've been convicted about something somewhere in your life by God and you keep on kicking against it, it's kicking against the goads. You know, when you're rounding up the cow, trying to get, trying to get the bull up the, the race into the truck. I remember it clear as day, you know. The, the goad today is one of those electric prods, you know. And they just keep backing up. And I've seen them carry gates away and go through pale fence, paling fences, I mean yards. They kick against the goad. People are like that. This world is like that. The Jewish nation is like that. The, the Orthodox Jews are like that. But one day, it'll change. <laughs> Aren't you glad that the promise of the future is a great blessing to know what God is going to, how he's going to bring it to pass? But my goodness, he has to do some very severe things. What we see today is a Sunday school picnic compared with what's coming the world needs to be warned the world needs to be told to flee from the wrath to come individuals need to be told let's pray thank you lord for your word lord we look around the world and if we're not a christian and we don't know the word of god we would be in despair we would be frightened for what is coming, for where the world is heading. But, O oh Lord, we know the end. The story is given in the scriptures. We thank you for that. We thank you you've not left us in the dark or wondering about what's going to happen. Thank you, Lord, for giving your revelation to us that gives us liberty and freedom to walk in this life and not be concerned about what's going on and eternity. Lord, we have confidence. Who, what shall separate us from your love? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or nakedness or sword or, or peril? It tells us in the book of Romans. Lord, thank you for the, those precious promises. Nothing, if we have believed on you, shall separate us from the love that you have for us. May each and every one here today and listening in know that assurance and have that confidence. We pray for those that cannot be here because of sickness, that you would raise them up and bring them back. We pray for those that are travelling, that you'd be with them as well, Lord, and give them safety on the roads. Lord, bless us with the word and in the fellowship today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The last point on the Saviour's long-suffering and forbearance is the <coughs> periods we see where God showed his long-suffering attributes. There's been many periods, but we're just looking at three. Three periods where God showed his long-suffering attribute. At least we turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. <coughs> Last time we were we closed with Romans chapter eleven. <laughs> it's a warning to Christians, it's a warning to the church, where if God spared not the natural branches, 
Jewish people, but sent them and scattered them all over the world at the Romans coming down in 70 AD, take heed that he spare not thee. Take heed, folks. We look at the church today. Is it taking heed? No, not at all. They don't even preach the word as it's given in the Bible, and they're not taking heed. They need to listen because God is able to graft them in again and get them growing, and that started in 1948, well, even before that. But that is a, a, a point in time, and that's been going on for, what, 50, 60, 70, something, 75 years now, that they're being gr slowly grafted back in, in unbelief, but God has brought them back to the land. They think to inherit it and to, to keep it as they've got it and to make it bigger, it's going to shrink a lot more than what it is now before they do get the whole lot that God promised them. But he said to the church, take heed lest you are broken off too. And there will be a breaking one day. But in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20 we read this. Who sometime were disobedient. Um, <clears throat> you read it in its context. And verse 18 and following, For Christ has once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached to the spirits imprisoned. And it's believed by Bible teachers that that <coughs> is referring back to Noah's day. The spirits that have been imprisoned, some say they were earlier than that. Who sometime were disobedient when once... The long-suffering of God, <clears throat> notice it there, long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing in which few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. Was there a mass revival in Noah's day? A preacher of what? Righteousness. <laughs> he preached to people how to believe in God and be a righteous individual. We preach that today. It's in Romans chapter 4. And it's not by works that we get there. It's by his righteousness being imputed to us when we believe on the finished work of Christ. He inputs that into our life. Well, <clears throat> the long-suffering waited in the days of Noah. Few people saved. The reports of mass revivals and things of that nature are not true these days. We see mass apostasy and liberalism and falling away from the truth, not a turning to the truth. Churches everywhere are too afraid to preach the whole counsel of God because it will offend people and it will empty the church. It does. <laughs> but it would be better to have those that love the truth and want to hear the truth in attendance at the church where the people of God fellowship. That's why we meet, to fellowship and to learn about the Lord than to have those in who are not even believing people. <clears throat> Few souls saved. Who gets disappointed, <laughs> along with the pastor, I must say, <laughs> when we don't see people turning to the Lord? When you witness, when you pray fervently and sincerely, earnestly for all your friends, for your family in particular, 
No one is trusting the Lord. It's the day in which we live, folks. It's because churches have failed to preach and teach the word. Pray that God would raise up someone to talk to those people you pray for at work or somewhere that would give a testimony and witness and that we would do likewise, give testimony and witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so here in the past, at that time, how long did they have to listen and hear and repent? It says 120 years from when Noah was commissioned to build an ark to the time of the flood, that was 120 years. You'll say, well, that'll be a few generations, yeah, that will be born, but they didn't all die because they lived to hundreds and hundreds of years old in that time before the flood. So he was constantly giving the message. And if he used the ark as a platform to preach from, probably did. We'll have to ask him when we get to heaven. I think we're allowed to ask questions when we get there. Hey, Noah, come have a chat for a few hundred years. <laughs> Fill us in on what happened. What was it like? Because, you know, the sin of that era was shocking. So bad that was only eight people left. And there could have been, with the conditions prevailing, the good conditions before the flood, the fruit and everything, everything that grew there. There could have been billions of people there at that time. But they all were destroyed by the flood because they did not believe. And as it was then, so it will be when the Lord comes, preach the truth. In season, Paul said to Timothy, and out of season. Whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, don't stop preaching the word. That's what we need today, isn't it? People that preach, Christians that teach, preach the word in every place we go to. Noah did, we should. So there's a period in the past, a time in the past, when God waited in long-suffering. It got to the point where only eight people were believing in him. Only eight people were behaving as he wanted to do. And I believe they were giving sacrifice too before Israel started. They were sacrificing. God taught Adam and Eve that way back when they'd sinned. Let's go to another major section in Matthew 23, just a, a verse there. When Jesus was present on earth, what did he do? He went about preaching and teaching and doing good. And it says in the scripture, I, if all the things that he did were written in a book, the world couldn't contain it. There were so many more things than the things we do have written, but God's seen just to give the things that he has in the scriptures, the canon of scripture. And he said in Ma Matthew, I got my tag in the wrong spot there. <laughs> Matthew 23:37 the Lord isn't exasperated and saying oh, you know he's not he's not like that he's long suffering and but he's looking and speaking particularly to the religious leaders of his day and he said this to them and this has a lot to do with what's going on in the middle east O Jerusalem Jerusalem thou that killest the prophets You've tried to kill them. You've tried to kill, well, you lowered Jeremiah into pit. You killed other prophets. 
that was sent unto you, and stonest them who were sent unto thee. And just not long after these words, they stoned Stephen that was sent unto them. How often would have I gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens, and ye would not. If you're here today and you're one of those people that's saying, I will not believe. I'm going to do it my way. And God has to accept my works for my salvation. Well, you can go that way, but you know where you're going to eternal condemnation. You've got to believe God's way. You don't tell God what to do. I don't tell God what to do. He's told us what we need to do. We need to believe that as many as what received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And like the Philippian jailer, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And what did Paul and Silas say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And thy house. And they needed to believe as well to, to be saved. But back in... Matthew 23 in verse 38. Behold, your house is left to you desolate. What's happened to Israel for 2,000 years? Their house, almost 2,000, their house has been left. Rack and ruin. They're back in the land. God's working on them to bring them to repentance. For this, for I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth till ye say, till ye say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. <laughs> What a wonderful day when Jews, the Jewish nation, as a nation, say, blessed is he. Blessed is Jesus. Have you said that? Have you said, blessed is the Lord Jesus who gave me salvation, who provided a way back from the dark paths of sin that I might be saved, that I might have a place in heaven? I pray that you have. The Lord is waiting for them to do that with the things that they suffered it's like just a little, what do you call it, a thousandth of an inch, the, micro, the micrometer that you have. What they've suffered is that small compared with what's coming in the near future and maybe in our lifetime to Israel. You read your Bible. And they will one day get to the point where they realize that Jesus is the Messiah we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The peace of Jerusalem will only come when they do that. And they shall, as Zechariah says, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only child. And they turn. Pray for that day. That's praying for the peace of Jerusalem and Israel. But... To Israel, God is long-suffering. He said, prophets, you go right back. You go right back to, to Moses, a prophet. He led them out of the children of Israel, out of, the, out of Egypt, the children of Israel out of there, and he told them, but they immediately, how soon they forsook the Lord. Romans 10, 21 says, All day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. He's talking about Israel. Are we any different? Are the Gentiles any different? How long has God, as he says in the book of Matthew, it won't come, um, with open arms, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's been saying that to the world for nigh on 2,000 years. 
And have we all come? You would think that people would repent and get saved. No, we've turned away from God. <clears throat> so, in the past, where God has shown his long-suffering, all day long for thousands of years, at the present, turn to Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. <clears throat> there it says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, or his promise, his promise of his coming. As some men count slackness, but is what? Long suffering. Can you say long suffering? Okay. Say it. Is, is he doing this to you? <laughs> is he long suffering with you? If you haven't repented, if you're listening in and haven't repented, Concerning his, his, some men count slackness, but his long suffering toward us. Why? What does it say in the next part of the verse? Not willing that any should perish. God allows it to go on and on and on, and people, the majority, are rebelling, rebelling, not obeying the gospel. And you say, even so, Lord, come. Even so, Lord, come. But he's got his right time to bring in his kingdom. To this world, but he's not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want. He doesn't want anyone. He's not willing. You'll say, "Well, if he's not willing, why doesn't he just do it?" He's God. He can just do it. <laughs> he can do anything. You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't transgress, or he doesn't override the free will of man that he has made us in his image, and he's got a will, and we have a will. He's not going to override that. It has to be you making the choice. And over and over through scripture, you see that God's allowed people to do what they want, but there's a counting day to come. And 2 Peter 3.9 talks about that. This shall come in the verse 3 of chapter 3. Last day scoffers walking after their own last and saying, where is the promise of his coming? That's continued on and on and on. Even while people are mocking him, in verse, that verse 3 and verse 4, where is the promise of it? They mock. They mock at the thought of Jesus coming when you talk about it. And some Christians are afraid to talk about it because they know they'll be mocked. Tell them. Tell them anyway. <laughs> God's long-suffering lasts only until there is no remedy until there's no remedy. I had a person tell me one day, they came to me and they were pretty riled up. They said, I am irredeemable. Wow. That's what an individual said. I said, okay. I knew the background. I said, hmm, maybe so. And I keep praying for that individual. At least three times a week, I pray for that individual. Because they said it, and I believe they're still not redeemed. You say, yeah, judging people. Well, you don't get around cursing and swearing and doing all sorts of things to people and individuals and say you're redeemed, do you? That person's doing that. It only lasts. He's long-suffering, but there's an end to it. And the end is no remedy. No remedy. You know, if you've gone to the doctor and... You've got a, a terminal illness and they get to the point where they've gone done all they can and what do they say? 
sorry, there's no remedy. That's what they've told my younger sister. There's no remedy. You got cancer, it's gone right through your body. There is they've done everything. She she hadn't said I'm gonna go natural and do it that way or that. She's she's a nurse, she's been a nurse of life. And they've done all they can and they said there's nothing more. We've gone to the maximum with what treatment we can give you. What does it mean? Death is coming. And I've talked to her about it. And I talked to her, my cousin's wife about that before she passed away with cancer. Just in the, within the last two, three years, two years, I think it was. I know. I said, you know you're going to die. Yep. I said, you're ready to die. Yep. And I thought, I didn't know that she knew and understood, but she had. Now, where is she? <laughs> She's in heaven, absent from the body and present with the Lord. What a relief to be able to talk <laughs> to her and my sister about that. But let's turn to a few references that talks about no remedy. It gets to a point that even God says there's no fixing this situation. First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, then you have First and Second Chronicles. So it's gone right through, and this is the end, the last chapter in the book of the Kings that's given here, and well, the book of the record of the history of the kings. And it says in Second Corinthians chapter 36 and verse 14, Moreover, all, all, underline that, the chief of the priests and all of the people, don't say all, but it infers that the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. This is their problem. They had all transgressed. The politicians of the day had transgressed. The, the priests or the pastors, the spiritual leaders had transgressed. The people had transgressed. It says it right there in Scripture. And other scriptures, it adds about another one too that's four. And you can start them all with P. Politicians, pastors and people. They had all transgressed there. You know what? It was pointed out to me here on Friday night by a person that brings their children to youth. <clears throat> they had a picture. I'd seen the picture from over the Middle East there of the, the slaughter of the, 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 the Israelis. I'd looked at the people and that, but I hadn't noticed something up to the side. At that music festival where, what, 250 people were killed, did you see it? There's a big Buddha on the roof, six foot high Buddha. What were they? Who were they worshipping? They had just had the Feast of the Trumpets. They had just had the Feast of the Tabernacles for 10 days and they were celebrating at the end. Who were they celebrating? I'm not, I'm not condoning violence. It was completely condemned what happened there. But is it a wake up call for us today? If we set something else as an idol before God, he is not going to stand for that. There is no remedy. It comes a point. And here, Israel, there was no remedy. We read on in that scripture, verse 15, And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by the messengers, rising up betimes or early, and sending because he had compassion on his people and on, the dwelling, on his dwelling place. <laughs> he loved his people. He didn't want them to do this. 
He had compassion and he kept on sending prophets and people to warn them. Often just individuals who feared for their life and sometimes lost their life because they spoke God's word. But what did they do? They mocked the messenger of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people. And what does it say? Till there was no remedy. There's no cure for the cancer that came into their midst, into their nation. Therefore he brought upon them the king of the Chaldeans, who slew their young men with the sword in the houses of their sanctuary, and had no compassion among young men or maiden or old, and those that stooped for age. Does that sound familiar? Something happened two weeks ago? Yep. God is trying to bring that nation back to himself. Now it's wrong what's happened. I'm not going to condone it at all. I wanted to go there, but we're not going to have time to go there and talk about the current thing. We'll do that in a, 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 a different message. <clears throat> but there's no remedy. Have you got to the point in your life where you can look back and you know the conviction of the Lord at different times under different messages at camps or somewhere and you've said no 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 and I use an example I've used before it's been some time since I used it I know a man Pastor Bill Grant from the Benella Church how many 55 years ago or so or 50 57 years ago he was at our home. This man was in our house when I was still single. And this man was arguing with Pastor Grant and my dad and, and this man's brother, who were Christians, about no, and didn't believe in God, no, there's no God and so forth. And it got to a point in the conversation or the, the debate that he went quiet. He just went quiet. And he listened. And he didn't believe. He didn't believe. And there come another time, and I think this was down in Tasmania, where the same thing happened to him again by a different person, witnessing, testifying to him that he needed to believe. And he didn't. There came a third time. I was there, and it was my brother there, and we were talking to him, and it went on for a few hours, talking about the scripture, need to repent, need to be saved, need to believe by faith in the Lord Jesus. And he went quiet and he listened. But he didn't believe. Only within a year later, he was staying in the old bakehouse on the farm I lived at for what had happened with his family. He was there. The family, brother and sister-in-law, that went to church. They come home. They, where's, where is he? Couldn't find him. He'd come into the house. He'd taken the gun. He'd gone down, sat near a pine tree, and shot himself in the head. Out into eternity. You don't rebel against the offering of God's salvation. 
with no consequence. Eternity is coming for all of us. But are we ready to face the Lord? This is serious stuff. This is eternal stuff. Truths contain. Don't get to the point where there is no remedy. Particularly after God knocks, God convicts, and you go your way and forget what manner of man you were. You sigh for people. <clears throat> Proverbs, it says it again. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 12. <clears throat> in, in following, a, a naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. He winketh with his eyes, you know, got away with that one, you know, wink, wink. He speaketh with his feet. You can tell by what he believes by what he does. He speaketh with his feet. He teacheth with his fingers. He's not one of those people like last week at Westburn. They do signing. Ausland. <laughs> no, no, no. He's not one of them. He, the things that he does is telling you what he's like inside. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually he soweth discord there shall therefore shall be his calamity come suddenly suddenly shall he be broken without what without a remedy suddenly broken don't get to that point in your life where you're suddenly broken without a remedy this and, and then these things that we we know this bit these six things doth the Lord hate yea seven are abomination unto him a proud look, a lying tongue. This is what this person is like, by the way. <laughs> Hands that shed innocent blood. My, is that happening around the world? A heart that devises wicked imaginations. Feet that are swift in running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. That is happening everywhere in churches. Dividing churches, splitting churches, sowing discord among the brethren. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. There is no remedy for a person that goes down that pathway and consists and continues in it and does not repent and trust the Lord Jesus as their saviour. <clears throat> Chapter 29 of Proverbs and verses 1 and 2. We read there, he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed. And what does it say? And that without remedy. There's no remedy for this. It's like a cancer without a cure. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. <laughs> but when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. <clears throat> And around the world today, we have people in authority that are mourning. People that have allowed things to happen in their country. I saw in Europe a sign that was maybe that high, a flexible one stretched across the street and people walking down there and they said this. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. 
flying in the face of God, that is. From the river, Jordan, to the sea, the Mediterranean, Palestine will be free. Free of what, folks? Free of Jews. We're going to drive them into the sea. This is just a little from the other bit that I was going to preach. God's looking on, you know. And if you read other scriptures that have to do with the Muslim movement and what's going to happen to it, the Bible tells us, read Ezekiel 38 and 39. A majority, at least at that time, there is repentance among those nations that are now rebelling against and, and saying this because they recognize that God... At that time, when he shows his power, displays his displeasure, and brings these nations to realize, ah, and it says, that then the nations realize, ah, there's a God in heaven. He's still alive. <laughs> he made the earth. And then they'll turn. But until that day, they're going to go on with their mockery and murder and mayhem that they brought. Two weeks ago, Almost every nation said the Jews need to do something. And I heard a commentator say, a non-Christian commentator say, just wait, in a week's time, the victim will become the villain. And that's what's happened. The media around the world are making Israel, who were the victims, the villain. I'm going to start preaching this sermon if I don't watch it. Ah... <laughs> uh, Go to the Bible. You've got the answers there. And we'll, we'll bring them on another day. But those being often reproved. And God is going to reprove, reprove and reprove. You would think with the wars that Israel's had to fight. In 48, 67 and 76 and, and, and all those different ones. That the nations about them. I think Egypt has learnt. <laughs> that they... That, they're working with Jordan has seems to have learnt, but other nations don't. But you know in the scriptures it says that these nations, when God gets to be, as it were, a bully and says, Okay, if you won't listen to the word, if you won't obey what's being said, and you you present lies like rocket Israeli rocket shoots hospital in Gaza. <laughs> and I saw the the picture before anyone made comment. No. Didn't hit the hospital. It landed in the middle of a heap of cars and the cars were all splattered out like that. It's obvious. But they're still promoting that as fact. Lies as fact. God is not mocked. God will bring this and turn it round to his glory. For his people Israel to repent and for the Muslim people to turn to the Lord once they see that he is more powerful than their God who isn't a God. And what a great turning it will be. Read it in your Bible. But are, are you? <clears throat> in rebellion against him. And in our reading, we'll close with that we had this morning in Romans 2. Verse 4. <clears throat> Despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance, that's long-suffering, 
Patience, forbearance, and long-suffering go together. Forbearance and, well, it's right there, isn't it? And, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. You're living in his world, breathing his air, eating his food that he provided on this jewel of a planet. The goodness of God. And then he offers his son as our sacrifice for sin. The goodness of God. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God, hasn't happened yet, who will render every man according to his deeds, to them who by patience, continuance in well-doing, seek for glory and honour and immortality, to them eternal life. That's the way you read that. But to them that are contentious, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, what to them? To them, indignation and wrath. No remedy, you see? What are you walking in? Righteousness or unrighteousness? Are you saved or lost? Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, due first and also to the Gentile. But glory, honour and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. You fall in one of those camps, one of those group people groups there. Um, and I'm not saying Jew, Gentile, believing or unbelieving is what I'm referring to. Don't presume upon God's long suffering, it will not last. God will bring the remedy, His remedy, to pass. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. <clears throat> I pray that if there is any soul here that has not believed on the Lord Jesus, that today might be the day of their salvation. And they, like the Philippian jailer, uh, asking him, what, sir, what must I do to be saved? And the scripture says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Today may they be saved, listening in or here. For those, Lord, that think they're irredeemable, well, they're not because their life They've still got life and there's still hope when there's life. May they turn to you and repent. Lord, save their souls in your long-sufferingness. Give them mercy and grace. Bless us as we sing a closing hymn in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>